Stand together, please. It's so good to see you this morning. We're going to lift our bodies and lift our voices to the God of heaven here this morning. If you have a big red song book, you can turn to page number 40. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Brother Danny, would you open us in prayer, please? Lord Jesus. Watch over all the sick, Father, and special, Father, that we have on their list. And watch over all of us and believe God is stretching out stuff, Father. Amen. 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 You can be seated, folks. Hey, it's uh, so good to see everybody this morning. I want you to know that we've been praying for all of you. We have some visitors with us today. We want to make you feel welcome. And we have some old friends and some new friends and uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. What a blessing it is for us to come together and worship the God of heaven today. Uh, A few announcements that I'd like to share with you. We'd like to continue praying for the Miller family. For those that may have not heard, uh, Brother Norm Miller went home to be with the Lord here today. I guess it was the night before last. It was Friday night or early Saturday morning, I guess, maybe. Um, but we want to pray for Norm's family. And as I, I've not heard anything about, an, uh, about the arrangements yet, once I do, I'll put a call out and make sure uh, that the church knows about those. Um, also, uh, uh, we want to invite everybody to come back tonight. We're having a church unity service right here in our church tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, we're going to be gathered with the folks from Victory and the folks from Allen Creek. And we're going to have a time of worship, and, and we're going to preach the Word, and we're just going to worship God together. And we'd like for you to, to come back and, and enjoy that time with us tonight. So that'll be here at 6 o'clock. If you're new to the church, we have, uh, we have service every Sunday night at 6 o'clock. Uh, it's usually a, a time of, of testimony, a time of worship, and a Bible study. And then also we have a Wednesday night uh, evening service every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, and that's our prayer meeting. And uh, we apply most of that time to prayer, and so we want to encourage you uh, to come out and be a part of that as well. Um, <clears throat> couple of prayer requests. We were praying this morning for not only the Millers, but also Scott's mom, uh, Mickey's not feeling well, and we're praying for her salvation. And um, and then also, we're going to take just a second. Uh, Sister Mary, would you come here this morning? Sister Mary told me this morning that she's having some trouble with her eyesight, and uh, she's not able to see very well in one of her eyes, and she asked if she could be anointed this morning. And we believe in the power of prayer here in this church. And the Bible commands us uh, that that, uh, when we have infirmities, when we have sicknesses, the Bible says uh, to come and ask the brethren of the church to pray. And that's what we're going to do here uh, for Sister Mary. And so if if, uh, any of the brothers of the church would like to come and join us in prayer, we're going to pray and uh, anoint Sister Mary with oil and ask the Lord to help her with this problem she's having uh, with her eyesight. 
And please, uh, if you're if you're not coming here this uh, up here this morning as one of the brothers to pray, please join us in prayer there uh, from your pew, if you would please. Pastor, you start us off. Sure. Almighty God, I ask you in the name of Jesus that you would heal this sister, Lord, from the crown of her head to the sole of her feet, that you touch her body, Lord, take away every affliction. We trust you for what you're going to do. We know that you can do this. And so we ask you in the mighty name of Jesus that it would happen. So thank you, Father, and uh, we're going to count it as if it's already done. Thank you, Lord, and we ask it all in the name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would reach down and touch Sister Mary. Heal her, her eyesight, Father, bring it back to bring it back to normal, Father. And the other the afflictions that she's suffering, Lord, we just pray that you will be with her in all of it. Heal her body as only you can, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, sister, you gave me a color. Helen was your color. Just nice. Give her the, the, the doctor's father. Just got in the right direction. Just bless her color. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Father God, we come before you here this morning, Lord, just so so grateful, Lord, for this privilege of prayer that we have, that, Lord, that the veil has been torn, that we might have access to the very throne of God uh, through the sacrifice that Jesus Christ has made for us. And Lord, we come before that throne this morning boldly, not because of anything that we've done, Lord, uh, but because of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we lift up this sister to you, uh, Lord, this my dear sister, Sister Mary, one that we love so so greatly, Lord, and she's having trouble with her eyes right now. And, and Lord, I'm reminded that you made this body that she uh, lives in right now. And Lord, you are able, you have power over that body, you have power over the eye, you have all power. And Lord, we're calling upon your name this morning and asking you, dear Father, that you might exhibit your power here to, uh, to heal and to help Sister Mary and to take this problem away. And Lord, I pray that you do it in such a way that when she goes back to the uh, to the doctors, that they would be astounded and she would have a testimony, Lord, and she would share that, uh, that God in heaven has touched her body and taken this away. Uh, Lord, we know that, that you can do this. I pray that you bless our sister, that you'd help her. I pray that you'd help her to trust you for this and, and likewise all of us. And Lord, I pray that, uh, again that you do it in such a way that you would receive all the honor and the glory. And Lord, we ask you to do this in the precious and the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus. And amen. 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 We love you, sister. bless you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. 
all, I don't know what we'd do if we didn't have a God to pray to, a God that we could trust to help us to, to be an ever-present uh, help in time of need. And I'm grateful uh, for Him, and I'm grateful for a praying church. Well, hey, how about some how about some music? We got some worship uh, fellows there. Do you guys have a song this morning, Pastor? Yeah, brother. Praise the Lord. Thank you, brother. Brother here. I saw he was from the maybe doing one, but he didn't bring his guitar. Man, look at the excitement on the faces out there this morning. I'm telling you what, they must think it's the Beatles up here or, or George Beverly. That's better than George Beverly Shea. So we're going to try an old song called, uh, I call it, On the Hills of Glory. I had a preacher say one time, there ain't no hills in glory. But you know what? I believe that. The Lord has prepared heaven to meet all the expectations of everybody that wants to go there. Amen. And for me, they better be some hills. <laughs> so we're going to sing about the hills of glory this morning. Amen. Lord bless us. Someone will be on the other side 
to welcome my soul to that sad land made perfect by love. When I walk up that milky white way, I see the homecoming in the day. How great it will be for angels to see the pilgrim reach home on heaven's bright shore. There'll be One little grave in all that fair land. Not even a tear will dim the eye. No one up there will say goodbye. Just trusting in Him who died for sin and rose from the grave. Thinking about that mystic stream Flows through my soul the fondest dream And voices I hear and faces so dear Seems I can see People down here will Often they sing I'm ready to go How great it will be for angels to see A pilgrim heaven's bright shore there'll be no dying over there not one little grave in all that fair land not even a tear will dim the eye no one up there will say goodbye to singing his praise Feel at home some wonderful day from heaven's broad show. You got one, bud? You got one? You want to do by tomorrow? You want to borrow my guitar? Uh, no, it wouldn't do me any good. Oh. Come on, Alan. You know, the Bible says in, in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that one day Jesus Christ is going to rapture the church out of this place. I'm looking forward to that time, sis. Uh, but when it talks about the Lord Jesus and His coming, the Bible teaches that Jesus is not coming alone. Because it says, for those which sleep in Jesus, will He bring with Him? And uh, so when I'm looking forward, when Jesus comes, my folks are going to be with Him. And uh, Sister May and a lot of other ones that we love that we miss right now. But I want to tell you, when all those people come, we might, we're going to see a great company of people. But I don't think we're going to have any trouble figuring out who the Lord Jesus Christ is. We're going to know who He is by the marks on His hands. Amen. When I cross over, I will shout and sing. I will.
His precious gift, Savior, when I come to Him, by the marks where the nails have been. Amen. Of riches, may claim a crown of jewels, but the King. His precious skin, Savior, when I come to Him, by the marks where the nails have been. On Calvary's mountain, where they made Him suffer so, all my sin was paid for a long where the nails have been deep in his sight upon his precious skin his precious skin savior when i come to him by the marks where the nails have been yes i will know my savior when i come to him by the marks where the nails have been Well, praise the Lord. If you'll stand with me, please. We're going to have one more song uh, before the message today. Take the name of Jesus with you. <clears throat>
be seated, folks. Bless the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I tell you before the Lord today, uh, there is no hope in earth or in heaven without Jesus Christ. And I'm so glad that we do have a hope. Uh, we don't have to sorrow as those that have no hope. Um, the nursery is open now for those who are 17 and 18 and <laughs> 5 and under. Uh, so if the little ones would like to go back to the nursery, Brother Ed, you're not a little one, I'm sorry. Uh, the nursery is now open and you're welcome to go back there at this time. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I'd like for you to take your copy of God's Word. Yes, the, the verses will be up on the screen, uh, but dear friend, don't forsake the privilege that you have in opening God's Word today, that we have a copy of His Word for our very selves. And I'd like for you to open that to the book of Acts in chapter number 8. Before we get started this morning, just a couple of things I'd like to mention. Uh, first of all, I, I want to thank you for the response. I asked last week for those that would be interested in helping with the mowing. Uh, praise God, we had more than one person offer to be involved in that. And certainly we're not trying to push Brother John out of his responsibility, but we know he's not feeling well right now. And uh, the responsibility of mowing will be upon us uh, before we can blink an eye, I'm sure. So I believe what we're going to do is we're probably going to do a sign-up sheet. Uh, that way one person doesn't have to do it all the time. We've had several people offer, and we'll just we'll have a sign-up sheet out there, and the grass will get cut, and the Lord will be glorified, and we'll be thankful for it. Amen? Uh, so I want to thank you, uh, all of you, for that. Also, I need, to, I need to make a statement here this morning. I, uh, I mentioned from the pulpit here recently that I had watched the show The Chosen. And uh, by making that statement that would put my stamp of approval on that show. And I have learned since I said that some very disturbing things about that television show, about its origin, its, its Mormon backgrounds, uh, some, some unbiblical things that are portrayed in that television. And so I want you to know that I'm retracting that statement and I don't want to endorse that in any way. It's never my intention to mislead anybody. And so I'm telling you today that I'm not going to watch it, and you shouldn't either. Amen? Okay. All right. So moving on to the Word of God here this morning, Acts chapter number 8. If you'll stand with me, please, in reverence to the reading of God's Word. Before we read this passage today, I have one question that I want you to consider. Just a quick little statement here. What has God called you to be? What has God called you as an individual, us as a church, uh, us if, if, if you're a believer in Christ, what is our calling, what are we called to be in the eyes of the Lord? We're going to look at that today. Acts chapter number 8, we're going to begin reading at verse number 1. The Bible says that Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. 
As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. And therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. And then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Uh, For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father in heaven, we lift our voices again to you here today. And Father, it's not just our our voices that we lift. We, We bow our heads to you in reverence and submission to you. But Father, we lift our hearts to you. Uh, because of our great love, our faith in you, and our trust in you. And Father, our, our, our gratitude uh, for having the word of God. Would you take it this morning, Lord? Would you open it to us? Would you help us to open our hearts as your spirit goes in and works in our hearts and in our lives? And Father, would you help us to be uh, obedient to your word? And um, Father, would you just guide us? It's the name of Jesus that we lift up here today. Father, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross this morning, Lord, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. And they all said, amen. 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 You can be seated, folks. Uh, again, it's so good to see you here this morning, and, and uh, I pray that you'd be blessed uh, by the worship here today. But what has God called us to be? We have been studying through the book of Acts here uh, this year, and uh, last week we got to see uh, a little bit about what was happening there in the church with Stephen and, uh, and some of the disciples uh, here in the church and the apostles. And we see here this morning, first of all, uh, there in verse number one, that Saul was consenting to what had happened. Stephen uh, was a deacon in the church. He was going about and, and, and doing miracles. He was taking a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ, we found out last week. And uh, because of that, Stephen uh, was persecuted even to the point of death. He uh, was stoned by those religious leaders there that day. And uh, we found out last week that if you are willing to take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ, that the Lord Jesus Christ will stand for you. Amen. Stephen was able to look into heaven and see the Lord Jesus Christ standing at the right hand of God the Father. But all all the while this is going on, uh, we met this man at the end of last, uh, the last chapter, chapter number seven, uh, this, uh, at this point, this young man named Saul. And the Bible says that Saul was consenting to what was happening. In other words, he agreed or took pleasure in the death and the stoning of uh, Stephen. And at that time, it says in verse number uh, one of chapter eight, that great persecution came to the church there in Jerusalem. Now, this was not the first time that the church had experienced uh, persecution because Paul, uh, or or, I'm I'm sorry, Peter and James and John, some of the apostles that were serving there had been taken to the council. They'd been beaten. They'd been put in jail. Uh, Things had already happened regarding persecution, but it's at this point where it really begins to turn and persecution turned into great persecution. Stephen was the first martyr uh, uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ, not I said last week, not the first person to give his life uh, for the Lord, but the first person to give his life for Christ after Christ had uh, been buried, uh, risen, and uh, resurrected and ascended to the Father. 
Chapter 7 and chapter 8 really uh, begins a decisive break, by the way, between Judaism and Christianity. Judaism being the, the religion of the Jews, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Christianity, really uh, the difference between uh, the, the religion that the Jews had and the relationship that the Christians had. Amen? A relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And what had happened was the Jews, those religious Jews there in that day, had really just come to a breaking point that they had had enough. They had crucified Christ because of, of his ministry, and they had had tried to dissuade and uh, to deter the disciples and the apostles. They had beaten them. They'd commanded him, them not to preach in his name. And they had come to a point where they had to do something more in their opinion. And so they stoned Stephen. Now, after this happened, the Bible says that they were all scattered abroad. Who's they? These are the Christians, those that had placed their trust in Christ, that had given their hearts uh, to the Lord Jesus. The Bible says that they were scattered abroad except for the apostles. I pointed out last week that the apostles still had work to do there in Jerusalem. And God, we'll see here uh, shortly, was preparing a man for this work outside of Jerusalem. And that word scattered abroad, if you remember it, it meant to be distributed in a foreign land. But I thought it interesting that the, the Greek there actually also means to sow throughout. As they're being scattered, they're sowing. I want you to see this picture as the, as the uh, Christian, the church is being persecuted and they're being distributed into these other areas that as they go, they're taking the gospel with them. They are, are sowing uh, the word. And the Bible says that they go immediately there to Judea and Samaria. And it's in actually the 11th chapter of the book of Acts. We'll come to here, uh, no doubt, in a few weeks. The Bible says in verse number 19 that uh, now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen... That's what we're talking about, the persecution that arose about Stephen. Uh, those that were scattered went as far as Phenis and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word uh, to none only but the Jews, uh, but some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene. Remember from a few weeks ago that those were Hellenistic Jews that spoke Greek. And, and uh, the Bible says that uh, those of Cyprus and Cyrene, which then, when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. You see what's happening. You have these Jewish men that have placed their trust in Christ. They're uh, what we might call today a Messianic Jew that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. They have been in Jerusalem. The church has been confined to Jerusalem all of this time, but the church was not to stay in Jerusalem because Jesus said, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you're going to receive power and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, but also in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. That's, this is what we see happening. The church has been confined to Jerusalem up to this point, but now they're being scattered. They're already in Judea. They're in Samaria, but when the church first went, these men were preaching the gospel of Christ to the Jews only. That's what we read in Acts chapter 11. Why? Because that's who they felt comfortable talking to. Uh, but thankfully, there were some uh, Hellenistic Jews there that spoke Greek, and they started to preach to the, the Grecians. And you know what happened? The gospel started to go out 
not only to the Jew, but also to the Greek. Amen. This was the beginning of the gospel, uh, really beginning to go out uh, to the Gentiles. And let me just say here this morning, unless I'm mistaken, I don't know that we have anybody here this morning that's Jewish. And so if you're not Jewish, that makes you a Gentile. And if you're a Gentile, when I say the gospel began to go out to the Gentiles, you ought to say amen and praise the Lord. Because of that gospel going forth, we now have uh, the word of God in our hands and we have a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So this was paramount uh, to the work uh, that Christ had, had told them that they were going to do. Verse number two says that devout men carried Stephen to his burial. And these devout men were religious men. They were men that would have been very, uh, very pious or very reverent. And they carried Stephen and they buried him. And, and something I didn't point out last week, but I thought I would, would, would touch on today is, 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 do you know the name Stephen? Uh, when, you, when you look at it in the Greek, it's the name Stephanos. And we don't just see the name Stephanos here when it's mentioning this deacon, uh, Stephen. The name Stephanos actually has another meaning. It, it means a crown. And there are two types of crowns that are mentioned in, in, in the Bible. One of them is a kingly crown. And the other crown is the victor's crown. And some of you, that, that, that term sounds very familiar to you. Paul writes about that here in the New Testament. And Stephen's name is the victor's crown. And isn't that something? This man that took a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ and that stood for the gospel and he stood for the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe, as you heard me say last week, that the moment he entered into the presence of the Lord, he heard, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And he has received his victor's crown. And isn't that what we're striving for here this morning, folks? I tell you what, I don't want to get there uh, just as one, uh, I believe it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, saved yet though as by fire. I don't want to slide in on the, on the shirt tails or I want to get there and have the Lord tell me, well done, and here is a victor's crown that has been laid up for you. And, and matter of fact, in James chapter 1, the Bible said, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown, that's that word, Stephanos, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Do you love him? Are you looking for a crown this morning? Amen. Amen. So uh, Stephen was, uh, he was buried, he was carried, and the Bible says that they made great lamentation over him. Uh, uh, the word literally means to beat their chest. They were terribly upset at what had happened uh, to Stephen there. And I believe that Stephen was lamented for greatly because Stephen was loved greatly. Uh, he had a short ministry from what we know of the Bible that uh, uh, Stephen was one of the original six deacons that was chosen in the church. And, and the Bible says that the church uh, chose him. They were, they were to look out for men that were full of the Holy Ghost that would be appointed over the work that the apostles were not doing. The apostles had engaged in prayer and in the preaching of the word. But these other men were looking over other duties that needed to be happening. The Bible says that Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost. And he was full of power. He was full of, of good works, and he was going about and sharing Christ and helping people in need. And when you get a person that gives their life for the good of others, they're loved. And Stephen, the church and the community had a great love for him already. But then comes back uh, this man Saul, the Bible says there in verse 
uh, number three. And Saul, by the way, is his Jewish name. That was Saul's Jewish name. Uh, later, we know that he would become Paul after his conversion. Uh, and that was his, his, uh, his Gentile or his Greek name. Not that he was a Gentile, but uh, Paul, I thought interesting too, means small or little. And Paul, that had become this great man in the Jewish tradition, I think spent the rest of his life learning to humble himself and to become small in the Lord's eyes. But the Bible says in Galatians, in chapter number 1, and verse 13, regarding uh, what Paul was doing, the, 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 well, well, first of all, in, in Acts 8, it says that he was wreaking havoc against the church. And in Galatians 1, Paul addresses this again. In verse 13, he says, For you've heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. So uh, Paul was, was, was uh, he was Jewish and, and he was, his faith was Judaism and he persecuted anything that was outside of that. The Bible says that he was uh, very zealous and we see that here in Acts chapter number eight and he is persecuting against the church. The church, the, uh, the word ecclesia, it means the called out ones. It means a, a congregation or an assembly of people. And listen to me before the Lord today. I want you to hear this because some people will read this passage and say, you know, they didn't build the first church building for however many years after this. But I want you to know from the very beginning that the church was a congregation. It was an assembly of people that met together to worship and to serve God. Amen. And if you are not a part of a church, you are not uh, doing what the Lord has called us to do. The Bible says to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. That's pretty easy to understand. Uh, it means to not to. Amen? And uh, so we are commanded to be part of an assembly, but Paul was persecuting uh, this assembly. The Bible says that he went into every house. This was a door-to-door -door thing. They were going from door to door and looking for Christians and persecuting them. Uh, the word he uses here is hailing men and women. It literally means to drag to punishment. They would go into the house. They would find out if you were a Christian or not, and if you profess Christ, they would grab you and drag you off to punishment, and it says at the end of the verse that they were putting in to prison, wreaking havoc. That word havoc used only one time in the Bible. And, and we know from extra biblical sources that that word, uh, what it literally means is, is like a, like a, a boar uh, that is a wild boar going out. Have you ever been around hogs? You know, you know what a hog can do uh, when you turn him into and put him in a pen somewhere? They root and they dig and they absolutely destroy everything in their sight. That's the word that's used to describe what Paul was doing to the church. He was digging and rooting and destroying and, and just wreaking havoc over the church uh, there in Jerusalem. And so great fear came upon the church and there was a great fleeing. That's where uh, the persecution came in. And I love that, that God seems to have a sense of humor if you look at some of these things. Because here, everyone in Jerusalem that was a Christian was absolutely scared to death of Paul. Why? Because people were being persecuted. 
People were dying because of this man. He was consenting to the death of Stephen. Yet this is the very man that the Lord is going to take and change him, make him a brand new creature, and he's going to become the apostle that would take the gospel to the Gentiles. Amen. And I believe the Lord says, don't you worry about Paul. I'm going to change his heart. You just follow me. Amen. And uh, that's exactly what he would do here later on. But there's some similarities uh, that we see in Paul's life, and especially there was Stephen, which is interesting because he was consenting to the death of Stephen. Uh, But we know that Stephen Stephen spent his life there serving the church. So would Paul later on. Uh, We know that uh, Stephen preached the gospel. Paul would also preach the gospel. We know that Stephen was going about and he was healing people. So would Paul. Uh, Stephen was full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. So was Paul and full of power. Uh, Stephen was doing uh, miracles and wonders. So would Paul. Stephen uh, spent his last time there defending uh, his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So would Paul. Stephen surrendered his life uh, to the gospel work that God had called him to. So would Paul. And Stephen received that victor's crown. And one day, so would Paul. The same man that he persecuted. And not only the, the, we see the similarities of Paul, but we see the qualities of Paul that he already exhibits in his life in a sense that Paul was a very educated man. He was going to need that education in order to serve Christ in the way that the Lord had called him to. Paul was very zealous. He was going to need to be zealous, uh, not for Judaism, but for Christianity. He was going to need to be zealous for Christ. Paul, uh, was he, he needed to be a Jew and to be a Roman. He held dual citizenship. He needed to be both of those things in order to carry out the ministry that Christ had called him to. He needed to know the law the way he did. He needed to excel them all the way he did. What I'm telling you is that God had given Paul everything that he needed before he had even called him to the work that he had called him to do. And let me stand before you here today as a man that's experienced this firsthand. Because when God calls you to do something, oftentimes our natural reaction first is to pull back. Like Moses and say, Lord, I I can't speak. But you know, in other places, I find that interesting about Moses because Moses said, I I can't speak. But there are other places in scripture that tell us that Moses was very well educated and he was actually a very good speaker. But, But Moses didn't think he was able to do that. And I want to tell you here before the Lord today, whatever it is that God has called you to do, if he's called you to do it, he's qualified you to do it. And here prepare you along the way, but as with anything else, we walk by faith and not by sight. And walking by faith requires faith, amen? But it doesn't just require faith, it also requires walking. And so when God's called you to do something, we need to set foot and and follow the path that he's laid out before us. Paul was being prepared Uh, for his work even now. But verse 4 says that therefore, uh, in other words, anytime you see that word therefore, go back and read a verse and two in front of it and it'll tell you what it's there for. It's because of Paul's wreaking havoc, because of this persecution, because of all of these things, therefore they were scattered. There was no safe place. They were were not safe from, from Saul. And let me tell you, they were not safe from Satan. Satan was really the one that was persecuting the church. And look up here and and hear this very clearly today. If an individual 
If a Christian, if a church is engaging in the work of Christ, it absolutely, positively, definitely will come under fire from the enemy. Amen? If you're not taking enemy fire, you are not in the fight. Now, sometimes we cry out and say, Lord, have mercy. I'm right in the middle of it. It's coming from all sides. But if you're taking, taking enemy fire, you can bless the name of the Lord because that means you're in the battle and you need, not, uh, you need not be concerned about protecting or providing for yourself. The Lord will provide for that. But I'll tell you right now, Satan is more faithful to come to church than most Christians. And he would love to come into this church just like Paul and be like that wild boar and root and divide and split. He would love to split this place wide open. And if we're not faithful to keep our eyes on Christ and to be on our knees before him, he'll get it done too. Do you hear what I'm telling you? There are churches all over this land that, are, that have split, uh, that have had troubles, and we've got to keep our faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, there was this great persecution, but they were scattered abroad. The word diaspora, you've heard that sometimes. It talks about the scattering of the Jewish people or the diaspora. Sometimes they refer to that uh, in regards to the Babylonian captivity and, and the Assyrian captivity and some of the things that had happened in the past. But we see the, uh, the diaspora of, of the Christian faith here as it begins to spread out and ripple outside of Jerusalem. Matthew Henry said this, he said, though persecution must not drive us from our work, it's not to stop what we're doing, yet it may send us to work elsewhere. Isn't that interesting? Persecution's not meant to drive us from our work, but it may send us to work elsewhere and to go and spread the gospel in other places. And the Bible says that these men, as they went, they went everywhere preaching the word of God. These disciples and Christians spilled out over the, the land there in, in Israel and other places, and they preached the word everywhere that they go. That word preaching means to evangelize. They were sharing the good news everywhere that they went. These were actually the first missionaries of the New Testament. Oftentimes we think of Paul and, and Barnabas and, and, and uh, all these other people, but these are the first missionaries of the New Testament. They're the first people to leave Jerusalem and share the gospel in some place outside uh, uh, of where they began, and it's the beginning of the witness of Christ to all nations. I read this this week, that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And so persecution was not meant to stop the gospel. This persecution was allowed by God to spread the gospel. And so we see the word going forth. And, and can I just tell you here this morning, dear friends, that if you want to be on the team, you need to be ready to go in the game. If you want to be on the team, you need to be ready to go in the game. I've seen kids before that will join a, a basketball team or a baseball team or a football team and they want to be there with their friends and they want to, to be involved in the process but the coach comes along and he says, all right, it's your turn to go in. I want you to get in the game and they sit back and you can see him over there. Coach, I don't want to go in the game. I, I, what are you on the team for if you don't want to go in the game? I don't know about you but I don't want to sit on the sidelines. 
I don't want to sit there and, and warm a spot on a chair. I don't want to soak a towel or anything like that. I want to be in the game. I want the Lord to use me. And, and certainly we have no power or abilities of our own apart from Christ. But when we're on the team, we need to be ready to be put in the game. And I can assure you, it's not an if, it's a when. He absolutely wants you to be in the game. He said, go forth and do what? Sit in a pew. Is that what it said? No? You know, I haven't looked yet, but I almost bet... If I did a word search through the Bible, I'm not going to find the word pew in there anywhere. We're not supposed to just warm a pew? Well, what else did he say? Go forth and have private faith that you never tell anyone about. Is that what it says? No. He said, go forth and be my witnesses. I talked to me this morning. They said, we don't really have... I talked to somebody. I didn't talk to me. Sometimes I talk to me, but I don't usually tell everybody about it. I talked to somebody this morning. They said, we don't have time to talk about it right now, but I have quite a testimony. You know why you have a testimony? So that you can tell the world about it. You can share. You know what? Uh, people oftentimes, uh, they say that they don't know how to share Christ with somebody. You know all you have to do is tell them who you are and tell them who he is and tell them what he's done for you. And I tell you what, uh, that is powerful enough. I, before the Lord today, I'm telling you that Jesus Christ took me and turned me inside out. And thank God he did because I needed it. And he's able not just to do that for me, folks. He's able to do it for you, too, if you'll trust in Christ. And when you do, then you need to go out and tell the world. And that's what... Uh, the church was doing here in the New Testament. And, and, and then we get to verse number five, and the Bible says that Philip, now this is not the first time we met Philip. Remember, we, we met Philip in chapter number six. He was one of those six deacons. Uh, six deacons were chosen. Two of them we learned a lot about, Stephen and Philip. The rest of them we don't really hear about again. Uh, but Philip comes on the scene here, and the Bible says that he went to Samaria. When he left Jerusalem, the place that he went was to Samaria. Not everybody went to the same place. They scouted out in different cities, and when he was there in Samaria, the Bible says that he preached Christ unto them. Now here's what's interesting about that, because we saw the word preached used already a couple verses back, and that word meant to evangelize. But the word preached used here in this verse is not the same word. It's a different word, and what it means is to speak with an authority which must be listened to and obeyed. And we see that later in the next verse. The Bible says, with one accord, people gave heed to the things which he spake. Why did they give heed? Because he spake with an authority which must be listened to and obeyed. In other words, what we are seeing is a fulfilling of the promise that Jesus Christ said, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power. And the power is what Steve, or, uh, Philip was uh, exhibiting here. It was not his own power. It was power that came from the Holy Ghost. And not only will God give you a direction to go and he'll give you the tools to do it, but he'll give you the power to do it. Amen? He doesn't give you a toy without the batteries. The batteries are included. Amen? You've got the power to do what he's called you to do. The Bible says that the people, literally the multitude, gave heed with one accord. And they, they were hearing what Philip said and they were seeing what Philip did. And can I tell you, friends, that it's important what you do and say. 
not only inside of this uh, house of God that we have the privilege of being in here today, but especially as you leave this place, it's important what you say and do. Uh, somebody we knew of said one time that I am who I am, and that's just, that's just how I am. God doesn't want to change me. And I thought, my goodness gracious, that's the exact opposite of the truth. Uh, he absolutely wants to change you. He wants to change everything about you. He wants to make you a new creature, and when we become a new creature, we ought to act like one. Amen? We ought to be separate when we go out in the world. That doesn't mean that we're never around the world, but that we're different than the rest of the world. Come out from among them and be ye separate. And it matters when you're standing around the watercolor at work and you're telling some kind of joke that shouldn't come out of a believer's mouth. It matters when you're standing around the water cooler at work and you're listening to somebody else tell a joke that shouldn't have come out of their mouth. If you stand there and listen to it and smile, you're consenting to it. It matters when you blow up and lose your cool. It matters when you do things you ought not to do and go places you ought not, ought not to go and to do things that you ought not to do. Because people are watching. Whether you want to be or not, you are an example everywhere you go. And people will listen to what you say, but a lot more closely they watch what you do. And we have to be careful. A testimony is one of the hardest things in the world to build and one of the easiest things in the world to lose. You can lose it just like that. One moment of anger, one bad decision, one moment of weakness and a testimony that you spent your entire life building is gone just like that. And let me also tell you this. Because you name the name of Christ, because you're a Christian, when you fail in your own life, you also sling mud on the name of our, our Lord. And you bring down the faith with you. So it matters. Philip is going about... Uh, Unclean spirits are being uh, cast out, and those that were paralyzed are being healed, and those that are lame are being helped. And I love that the Bible says there in verse number eight that there was great joy in that city. Great joy. Samaria, by the way, just a reminder, I've told you this several times, but a place that was often rejected by the Jews. When the Jews come to town, they weren't excited about it. Not so much, we don't, at least I don't see as much hatred from the Samaritans towards the Jews. It's actually the other way around. It's the hatred of the Jews towards the Samaritans because they considered them unpure. They were a mixed race. And I believe that those Samaritans probably had a longing to fit in. They, were, they, they, they began as, as Jews and as Israelites. And, I, and, and so this wasn't the way things normally went when the Jews came to town and there was great joy that came to that city. And how did that joy get to that place? Well, what the Bible teaches is that it was sown there. As they went about, they were sowing the seed. They were spread. Do you remember, uh, you remember what one of the fruits of the Spirit is? It's joy. How do you get fruit? you got to plant something, don't you? And uh, what we know is that Philip, when he went to Samaria, he took Jesus Christ with him, and Jesus Christ brought joy. Amen? As a matter of fact, I believe it's the book of, of uh, John, is it chapter 15, that Jesus says, These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain and that your joy might be full. 
Jesus wants us to have the joy that he has. Amen? And it came to that place. There was great joy uh, in that city. But I asked you a, a question early on. I said, what is it that God wants you to be? What does he want me to be? What does he want all of us to be as, as disciples and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ? And what did he want Stephen to be? What did he want Philip to be or later even Paul? And I believe the answer to that question is faithful. He wants you to be faithful. He wanted Stephen to be faithful. He wanted Philip and Paul uh, to be faithful. And Philip was not just full of faith, but he was faithful. And uh, we know from the scripture that uh, he was obedient to the Lord. And, 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 and I thought that, you know, if, if you want to do big things for the Lord Jesus Christ later, then you've got to begin with doing small things now. Amen. You realize that these two men that we've been learning about, they were not the apostles. They were not the pastors. They, they were men that were selected to come in and help meet a need in the church. They were there to serve the widows and to bring food and to help people uh, that were there in, in need. And if you want to do something mighty for the Lord, then start being faithful with the small things right now. Can I tell you that if you want to do something big for the Lord, he's not going to allow you to do it until you begin to be faithful in small things. Uh, he said, uh, he that is faithful over little, he'll make ruler over much. Amen. And we've got to begin by being faithful in the small things. And not only does the Lord call us to be faithful, but the Bible shows us how to do it. Stephen was faithful and Paul was faithful. And I think about the life of Paul. Where, where was it that Paul learned forgiveness, by the way? Was it maybe by that man, Stephen, whose death Paul was consenting to? but yet looked out at Paul and the other people there and said, Lord, lay not this sin of their charge. You think maybe that's where Paul learned about forgiveness? Where was it that Paul learned about faith through men like Stephen and Philip? You know, Paul was there the day that this, these things happened. He heard Stephen preach. He heard Philip preach. He heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm sure he had heard uh, through the other apostles and Christians that were there. And where was it that Paul learned faithfulness? I want to share with you in closing here this morning a passage from Acts chapter number 21. This, by the way, is during Paul's last missionary journey. He is an old man now. He's been walking and serving the Lord for probably 40 years. Uh, many years had gone by. This was just before he went to Rome probably not too many years before Paul would be martyred for his faith. And we know from earlier in the chapter that Paul was being led by the Holy Spirit. There was places he wanted to go and places he didn't want to go, and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was guiding him. And in verse number 7, the Bible says that, remember Luke wrote the book of Acts, when we had finished our course from Tyre, we came to Ptolemaeus and saluted the brethren and abode with them one day. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist. Philip the Evangelist, which was one of the seven. In case people want to argue who he is, it clearly identifies this was one of the original deacons. 
And we abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and he bound his own hands and feet. And he said, thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Paul, being led by the Holy Spirit, much later in life, I believe that Paul never forgot Stephen. I believe that he never forgot Philip either. And this same Paul that had driven Stephen or Philip from his own home now was being driven by the Holy Spirit to Philip's home. And what did he find when he got there? He found that Philip was still Philip and Philip was still faithful. Amen. He was, after all these years, 40 years down the road, he is still being faithful to God. The Father Philip is, is known as the evangelist now. This man that began serving tables, providing food, helping people that were in need. This man that began being faithful in the small things that God had commanded him to do. Had, uh, the Lord gave him more things to do and he became known as an evangelist. And who knows how many hundreds and thousands of souls were won to Christ because of the faithfulness of this one man. And can you imagine these two men being brought together by the Holy Ghost? That one used to persecute the other, but now they're fellow laborers in Christ. It's only the Holy Spirit of God and the Lord Jesus Christ that can reconcile the hearts of men. Amen? Amen. Hey, that wasn't even in my notes today. Let me tell you something. That's for somebody. Apart from this message about evangelism, somebody has a relational problem in this church today somewhere in their life. And I'm telling you before God that only the Lord Jesus Christ can reconcile the hearts of men. If you have a problem with somebody, you need to work it out and you need Christ to do it. Amen. Philip and Stephen both Two men that were chosen by the church. They were appointed by the apostles. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. They were faithful in small things. God trusted them with so much more. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that it was required of a man that he what? That he be found faithful. Can I ask you before the Lord today, are you faithful to him? The Bible points to our relationship with Christ as a, as, a, as a marriage covenant relationship. We are his bride and he is our groom. Are you faithful to him? Are you faithful to follow him? Are you faithful to love him above all else? I don't know about you, but if I went to my wife and said, I'd like you to be one of many, I don't think she would have said yes. Listen to me, though. I know we're laughing about that, but that's exactly what a lot of us do. We come before God and we say, we want you to be one among many. Maybe we don't think we're engaged in idolatry. Maybe we don't think we're worshiping other things. But we worship other things in our, in our hearts and in our lives, uh, and we put them in a place that only God should be in. He is first place and there is no second. Amen? 
And we ought to be faithful to him as our Lord and as our God. And when we are faithful, just as we see with these men, the, the work increases, the word increases, the witness increases, and weary souls are brought to the Lord Jesus Christ through the faithfulness of his people. And I'll tell you, for me, it started with little things. And I didn't want to do them, did I? I, I started serving in little ways. I started helping with this or that. We did some construction things and some other things. And then I was asked to teach. And I thought, Lord, have mercy. I, I, I barely know how to read it myself. I can't imagine being able to teach somebody else what the Bible says. Can I tell you that the most important thing that ever happened in my Christian life was that God asked me to be accountable to others by teaching and preaching his word. It's made me a, a different person because now I'm accountable, right? You're supposed to be accountable too. Just because you're not a pastor or not a preacher here this morning, that doesn't mean that you're not accountable to him and that you shouldn't be in his word and serving him. But it starts with small things. Let me ask you today, what small thing is God asking you to do? What small thing can you do to be faithful to him? What is it you're already engaged in that maybe you need to be more faithful in? And as you begin to apply yourself and, and, and to be faithful to God, I can tell you one thing's for absolute certain. You don't have to question whether he's going to be faithful to you. He is absolutely, completely, perfectly faithful. Amen? And so we're going to stand here in a moment and we're going to have a, a song of invitation. We're going to worship here together. And here's what I would ask you today. If the Lord is speaking to your heart about faithfulness, come see me after the service today or, or one of the other brothers, one of the leaders in the church here this morning. Come see Pastor Kirk. Or If the Lord's calling you to be faithful, if there's something you need to deal with the Lord, come and talk with us. Let us pray with you. And can I also tell you this, that it's impossible to be faithful unless you have faith. You can't do it by yourself. You need him. And the only way to have him is by placing your trust in him and receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord. And if, if he is not the Lord of your life today, there's a couple things I want to tell you. First of all, you're in danger and peril. Your soul is in danger of eternal damnation. And I don't say that lightly today. And should something happen to you, folks, if you don't have the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart, you're eternally lost forever. That's the first problem. The second problem is if Jesus Christ is not your Lord, you don't have half a, half a hope for any of the problems you have in your life or any of the things that you'd like to do. We talked before the service about having hope, right? We only have hope because we have him. And without him, there is no hope. Somebody ought to say amen to that. And if you're a Christian that's walking with the Lord today and you have him, then let me remind you that because you have him, you have all hope. Amen? We're going to stand together today. If you need to give your heart to Christ, if, if you want to serve or, 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 or deal with something with Christ, come see us here today before you leave. Amen? Stand with me, please.
sacrifice that was made for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving your life. And thank you, Father, that our sins can be forgiven. And all we have to do is call upon the name of the Lord. Father, I pray that your word would continue to dwell in the hearts of all of us here today. And Father, if there's somebody that needs to make things right with you, if there's somebody that needs, uh, Lord, to be more faithful, would you help them to do it, Lord? Would you help them to acknowledge that to you? And, and Father, if there's somebody that needs to be saved today, uh, Lord, would you, through your Holy Spirit, uh, convince them and, and convict them, Lord? And, uh, and would you save them by <coughs> encouraging them to call upon your name? Lord, thank you for the uh, for the friends that we have here today. I pray that you bless each one of them as they go forth from this place. And dear Father, I pray that you bring us back tonight to worship you again at 6 o'clock with the other churches and that we would just be, uh, Lord, uh, looking uh, not only to worship you, but, Lord, to hear from your word. And, uh, Lord, that you continue to guide us. We ask all of these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, and our God. Amen. 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 Am